This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. We'll also hear from Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine and Daniel Aaron Dilger from Roughly Drafted Magazine and appleinsider.com. We'll present information about the Kindle Fire from Amazon, about the possible end of the attempt of AT&T to buy T-Mobile, and lots more on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> So we have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. Okay, one of the big issues that we've been talking about on the Tech Night Out Live for a couple of weeks now is, of course, the arrival of iTunes Match. And some of the glitches, and one of the glitches I talked about was the fact that somewhere along the line, my iPhone got the idea it was linked to a different Apple ID, and every time I tried to set it up with the proper ID, which is the one that was originally set up with and installed with, it would tell me that it was underused by another ID for iTunes Match and that I couldn't switch it for 90 days and then 89 days and then 88 days. And I tried to explain this to Apple. It took 10 days for them to say, oh, okay, we fixed the problem, which is somewhere along the line, even though if you go to the Apple account, the Apple ID, you're supposed to see the devices that are connected for iCloud with that Apple ID. Right. Okay. But this didn't show it being connected to anything, but still was flashing this message. Apple obviously had something on their server indicating it was linked to a different Apple ID, the case of the multiple IDs. So that's, of course, was a very serious issue. Other people are having it, and I gather they have this 90-day limit, I think, to avoid piracy from, you know, switching back and forth IDs or something and pulling some kind of shenanigan. I'm not sure I understand it, but is this what you heard? You know, there have been a number of different problems when iTunes Match first came up. I'll be honest with you. I used it through the beta period, uh, and there were a few problems in the beta period. That's what beta is for. But when I launched it with the real iTunes and, and not the beta st- software, everything worked perfectly. It still works perfectly for me. I haven't had any issues at all. It knows my ID. It knows all my music. It works great. I know that other people, it, it hasn't worked so great for them. What we're seeing is that not all songs on a normal commercially available album are matched. And I'll give you one common example from the album Abbey Road by the Beatles. And you're a hard metal band, so maybe you don't have that album. But I do have that album. I have most of the Beatles stuff. Okay, did you import those albums or did you buy them from Apple? I had imported those ones. Okay, she came in through the bathroom window from Abbey Road, matched or not. I'd have to take a... Okay, you're going to walk over to your computer... You're going to open up iTunes. And this is a common problem. I'm not the only one. Although I gather sometimes people in other countries don't have the problem. So maybe because you're in Canada, you will tell me it's not happening. But right now, we're hearing the sound of Jim Dalrymple going to his primary Mac. <laughs> my primary Mac is, is upstairs, and I am down in my studio where it's nice and quiet for you. So I don't have my library here. Okay, so we're not going to be able to look at it. I suppose... If you use the same Apple ID on another Mac, it would 
bring in the same information. We'll have to see. But that's a common song. That's the problem. The problem is that on some albums, you know, everything matches. On others, one or two songs don't match. Sometimes it's more than one or two songs. We can't figure it out. No, it seems very strange. It's, it's unfortunate that it, it doesn't work properly for, for everybody, but I said to my knowledge right, right now, I haven't had any problems at all, and I, I like it that way. All right, well, I have a service ticket into iTunes, and I said, okay, why don't these songs match? They sent me an email back defining, believe it or not, defining the reason for the messages, like purchased, uploaded, and matched, okay? <laughs> All right? They defined it. I said, I know the definition. So tell me, why isn't it working? I don't care about the definition. Tell me, why is this thing not working? And I'm waiting for the answer. But Well, it should be interesting when you, when you do get it. I'm sure that you'll be able to help a lot of people out there. I wish, you know, people write me and, and ask about specific problems on iTunes Match. And as you know, it's very easy to, to answer the questions when you're having the problem. But when you're not, it gets it gets pretty hard because I I, I don't have the issues. So there you go. Yeah. But it is nice that the service works for me. I, I bet you're glad to hear that. <laughs> oh, I'm very glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So all in all, you think other than some of the problems that some of us had, as far as this is concerned, it works. Well, for me, it works. I mean, it, people have have different setups, and and uh, you know, some people had tested it in the beta version, and there may be some things left over from that. But you know, for me, it it works, and that's that's really all I have to go on when when people write and ask me about uh, about iTunes Match. I like it. It's a good feature. I think the other problem, of course, that we have, of course, is with some people. The issue is that if you have more than 25,000 songs that are not in the iTunes library, you may have a problem. Yes. Yes, indeed. There is always that. People have, uh, oh, I don't, again, I don't have 20, over 25,000 songs, so, you know, I, I don't have to worry about that. I, I don't know how many songs I have. I probably only have about 8,000 songs in there. Only 8,000? So, yeah. Okay. So you have a small library. Yeah. All right. You nice. know, most of the stuff I, I... I still have a lot of CDs that that are are, are not on, in my iTunes library, but um, most of the, the music for the last 10 years I, I bought from iTunes, so... You know, I, I don't have that many new CDs to put in, for sure. All right. Well, that, of course, explains everything and explains why it's working for you, but not for a few other people. Yeah, well, I, you know, maybe the fact that I did purchase um, those songs right from iTunes would explain a lot. You're right. It you makes know, it easier, sure. Of course, you don't have to use up your precious little bandwidth either. Well. Well, yeah, and and clearly Apple is going to find the songs that uh, uh, that I'd purchase from them. <laughs> we hope. We would hope, wouldn't we? We hope yeah. Apple gets the message. Because sometimes, you know, you, with Apple, you never know what they're going to do. It's true. Yep. Anyway, let's, I think, move on to some other subjects which are more interesting. Now, we all know that HP has had some curious problems. Yes. I guess part of the problem is that 
with HP, they are, shall we say, suffering from trying to follow the future. Their PC business brings in lots of sales, but no profit. HP seems to have uh, a real problem knowing who they are these days. I mean, you know, buy Palm and then we're going to do a tablet and no, we're not. And, you know, I, I don't. I don't know if they really know who they are these days. That doesn't help to lack a direction. And you wanted to hear also, and I'm not necessarily criticizing Meg Whitman. I mean, we know that her efforts to be a politician didn't do very well. We know that on her watch, eBay bought Skype, which wasn't, I guess, the best decision in the planet. No, didn't they buy PayPal, too? During her watch? Well, PayPal is no big deal either, you know. I like PayPal. You like PayPal? Yeah, I okay. do. Okay. I think some people have problems with PayPal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. But I like it. You know, I, I think it's a good service. I use it quite a bit. Okay. Well, the point being here, though, is those are services. She ran an auction company, and now she goes to a hardware maker, a company that bills printers it builds personal computers and other stuff and the question being of course does this particular company have the as they say the proper mix that her skills work with that kind of company if you have a comment or a question about the tech night owl live write us news at technightowl.com that's news at technightowl.com we'll read each and every message we have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, friends. This is Jeremiah from Zeobit, the makers of MacKeeper. MacKeeper is a bundled software of 16 of the most important system utilities, all located in one place. It's a really powerful and cool application that includes anti-theft, antivirus, data encryption. You can undelete files, back up your data, and so much more. We offer lifetime customer support with every license, and we really do care about you and your Mac. For more information, check us out at MacKeeper.com. Once again, that's MacKeeper.com. This time of year, between the holidays, bad weather, and sick days, getting everyone in the same room for a meeting can be impossible. And that's why I recommend GoToMeeting by Citrix. I love this special GoToMeeting app. I want you to try it free today. Go to the App Store or Android Market to download the free app and start joining GoToMeeting sessions from anywhere and host your own meetings with a free 30-day trial. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click Try It Free, and use the promo code PODCAST for GoToMeeting. Hi, this is Peter Kronstrommel from Midas Resources. As you know, the federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. And it will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Kronschnabel, at 800 686 
2237 extension 108 and i'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for call 800-686-2237 extension 108 you've worked hard your whole life and i want to work hard for you call peter at 800-686-2237 extension 108 what happened man you used to be energetic happy and wow did the ladies love you now you fall asleep on the couch irritable and out of shape don't be that guy call now for a risk-free trial of ageless male a natural supplement shown to raise testosterone by 50 percent and maintain healthy normal levels no injections no appointments with healthy testosterone levels you can feel that energy again that great outlook again and yes even a healthy sex drive Right now, you can try Ageless Male risk-free. There's nothing to lose, guys. If you're a man who's noticed changes in your body, your mood, your sex life, call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male. Be the guy you used to be. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Don't wait another day. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Again, 1-888-246-0623. You can't argue with success. And many people have found great success in fighting back colds and flu viruses with Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. So now, it's time to get even more success with the other great quality natural products from Affinity Health Products. Like C Energy Liquid Vitamins, Lose and Snooze, and the One Day Diet. Or Human Growth Hormone Support, Menopause Specialist for Women, and Joint Specialist. See these and many other quality Affinity Health products for men and women online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. That's A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y HealthProducts.com. Or call in your orders at 877-888-7126. That's 1-877-888-7126. Trust your health to the makers of Alley C, the world's best garlic extract. Affinity Health Products, the finest and most innovative natural health products available. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. We're back with Jim Tauremble at the loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You are definitely 100%, 1,000% in the Tech Night Owl Live. And we're focusing on, right now, HP and HP's problems. You know, whether HP can find a proper direction. So that would be very nice if HP can figure out what their direction should be, what the company should become, and more to the point here, whether if they're making PCs, I guess, how to make them more profitable. Yeah, I mean, they they really do seem to, to have that problem. I mean, we talked a few minutes ago about the whole tablet issue that they're having. And, you know, now... If you include tablets, Apple can overtake HP as the largest uh, PC maker in for 2012. Meg Whitman was quoted this week as as saying that uh, yes, Apple could overtake them if the, if you include the tablets, but they would be back as champions in 2013. So I mean, you know, they're already 
conceding the loss and they're moving on to, you know, two years from now. So it's going to be interesting to to see what happens with that. Um, to me, the big question is, do you include tablets as a PC? And I think if I would like to see the analyst companies have something to say, yes, tablets are being included as PCs. And I, I don't think that you'll get all analyst companies uh, to say that. But I think that's what needs to be done so that we know, you know, when you're talking PCs, okay, you're talking tablets too. That's the big issue here, of course, with regard to interpretations. Just what is an iPad? Is an iPad just some kind of fancy consumption device, or is it a personal computer? Yeah. And I say it's a personal computer. That's what a lot of people say. But nobody you know, listens to me. <laughs> one way or another, whatever you say it is, I think that it has to be uniform, because what we're going to end up having is, you know, one analyst firm is going to come out and say, Apple is in the lead because they count uh, tablets, and another company is going to come out and say, HP is in the lead because they don't count tablets, and it's just going to be a mess, I think. Well, so, they're going to have to have a final standard, a central standard, and I think a lot of companies will say, we don't want the tablet to be considered a personal computer because only one company on the planet gets to get that glory, and that's Apple. Well, maybe Amazon does well. Does Amazon then become a PC maker because of the Kindle Fire? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? And then you, you have the Nook. I mean, you know, how many of uh, of these companies are, are now going to be uh, PC makers? Exactly. We know, of course, that the iPad is a full-function product, and the Nook, and especially the Kindle Fire, have more limited functionality. So maybe you could say something about that. They are glorified ebook readers with some added stuff. So you have a subset of tablet functionality on the Kindle Fire, but it's got no camera. Of course, the first iPad had no camera. It doesn't have a microphone either, does it? No. I mean, there's, when you look at things like uh, like the, the Kindle Fire and the, the Nook and... That kind of stuff. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of those things are are glorified uh, ebook readers. So, I I don't think that those can be counted as as PCs. But then, you know, at what point do you start counting them? When you can load productivity apps, or you know, I, I mean, it, it gets pretty uh, pretty questionable about when when things start going because Kindle. Um, the Kindle Fire runs a version of Android. And if you count the Android tablets, then, you know, people will come back and say, well, then you have to count this as well. So I I, I don't know. I, I think that when you look at, at Apple and you look at the Android tablets, you really, I think you really do have to count those as as PCs. I mean, they count the netbooks as PCs. They count the ultrabooks as PCs. Right, but they are just subsets of the traditional notebook form factor. A netbook is just a tinier notebook. The ultrabook, well, the MacBook Air is an example. Of course, the progenitor of the ultrabooks, it's just a slim and light notebook. Yeah. But But you look at, for example, you look at the iPad and whatchamacallit. 
a lot of people would argue that uh, you know they get more done with the iPad than what they would with uh, an Ultrabook. Well, there you go. I certainly think it's more <laughs> convenient to carry, but if you want just convenience, the Amazon Kindle Fire is convenience central. Of course, that tiny screen has so many limitations, and I don't understand in the reviews. Did you do a review of the Kindle Fire? I did not. Okay. You've had one? No. Okay. All right. So we're just speculating here. But... In the reviews of the Kindle Fire, and I know our regular guest, Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider, had his review. He had plenty of FaceTime with it. He points out the 7-inch screen with lots of kinds of content is very awkward. Yeah, you could look at a video on it, but a comic book and a magazine, it is awkward beyond belief. really is. It's okay, I guess, also for email, in a manner of speaking. It's okay for reading books because you do that with, of course, the regular Kindle. That's what I've heard. I've heard it is awkward. So if, it's, if it is awkward to do and it is awkward to use, and, and some of these devices, you know, at, at seven inches, they're going to come out with uh, larger devices. Is that when you start calling it, a, you know, a, a PC? I mean, it's, it's this, this whole thing, we could go around and round in circles. But, you know, I, I don't find that devices at, at seven inches... Um, would really work that well as they're laid out right now. Maybe with a different layout they would. And you've got to give Amazon credit. You know, they, they do have a unique layout for uh, the fire with that whole bookshelf front screen and everything. It is interesting. I don't like the Kindle myself, but that's just a personal preference. You've had the standard Kindle. Yeah, I, I just don't see the point in the Kindle. You know, why would I want to buy? It's it's like having uh, a cell phone and then a PDA. You know, why have two devices? If you're going to buy a tablet to read with, why not just get the iPad and do everything on it? Well, I guess that's the whole big issue there. Yeah, I, I just, I never understood it. It's a, But again, that's just a, a personal preference of, of mine and never did get it. Doesn't make sense to you? No, not at all. It has to be one or the other. If you're going to buy a dedicated device to do a lot of things, that's fine. You know, there is also a problem here, too, and that is that with all these different single-purpose devices, it gets expensive. You know, I can see the Kindle Fire being sensible because it's cheap, and yeah. you can't afford $4.99 for an iPad. Maybe you'll find the previous iPad version for $3.99. Maybe you won't. You know, it's out of your radar because it's too expensive, so you get this thing for one ninety nine, and then maybe you put up with some defects as a result. By the way, we've got Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com on the Tech Night Out Live. We'll be back in a moment. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, 
The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. If you constantly feel run down and tired, your pH level might be low and your body could be full of toxins. If what you drink is not at a pH level of 8 or higher, you are inviting bacteria and acid to thrive in your body. But there is something you can do. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops to your water to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise your pH balance to optimum levels. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals in the world. Alkalizing the water you drink, ridding your body of acidic waste and toxins, and helping you regain energy and vibrant health. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. The perfect water for drinking, bathing, and cleaning right at your fingertips? Yes, you can now have the most powerful water ionizer on the market for less than half the price of competitors. The Genesis Platinum Water Ionizer from GibsonsHealth.com creates the perfect drinking water of 9.5 pH, automatically cleans every time you use it, and even tells you when to change filters. Other 7-plate water ionizers are priced at two or even $3,000, but the Genesis Platinum is only $16.95. Get yours today at GibsonsHealth.com. Under Nutritionals, be sure to click on Essential Oils for Aromatic Liquids extracted from a broad range of flowers, stems, seeds, and bark. And to really balance your body, click on Go Green, the most complete green drink available, necessary for survival. All this and more are found at GibsonsHealth.com. Call 800-388-6844. That's 800-388-6844 or GibsonsHealth.com. Healthful living since 1974. Local Army Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, Military.com. We have everything for true, total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits. Magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches. First aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military manuals, sandbags by the bail, and a huge Molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207-989-6783, 207-989-6783, or visit MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E, Military.com, the main name in military supply. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, we started talking about HP 
And then we got into the Kindle Fire, whether it should be interpreted as a personal computer. And with HP, we should return to them because obviously we have the issue which will be decided whether to count Apple as a PC maker for both the iPad and the Mac line. And I guess Meg Whitman kind of accepts that possibility. It sounds like she's willing to accept that as a possibility. The other question with HP is, what do they do to fix their problems? They spent a couple of billion dollars to buy the web OS. And where did that go? Well, the HP touchpad didn't sell worth anything until they cut the price. But consider this also. According to a published report, that $2 billion is more than Apple spends in a single year on research and development. They threw the money away. If I was a stockholder at HP, I'd say, what were you thinking? If you buy the thing for $2 billion, do something with it. Don't just give it up in a year. Yeah. They, they already ousted the, uh, uh, the CEO and brought in Meg Whitman. So you have to think or hope that you know, Meg is going to uh, make some smart moves. I don't know what those would be at this point, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, I, I think that investors, to uh, to some extent, have lost some faith in, in HP, but we sit and wait for their next move. I guess the question is, do they have a move? Well, I don't know that they do at this point, because they, they've already said, okay, we're going to get rid of the um, tablet. You know, they had the touchpad. Uh, they made... You know, some some moves with that and bringing it out and having WebOS on it and everything, which I thought was a great move for them. But then they canceled it, you know, within a couple of weeks. So it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And then there was some talk that maybe Meg Whitman would uh, would bring the touchpad back, but there's been no word on that either. It's got to make you wonder. I mean, you know, really, what what are these people doing over there? Well, it sounds to me like they're looking for direction. Well, that's what they're, the CEO is supposed to do for them, isn't it? Sure. We have to think that the CEO understands and has a product vision. That's another problem, too, with Meg Whitman. As I said, I guess you did okay with eBay, although you wonder about Skype, and I wonder about PayPal a little bit. But when it comes to a company that builds products, not just services, does she have a clue? You know, Do you just hire a generic CEO and make this basically iconic company work. And you have to think about something else here. Look at the sales of Apple. Apple, of course, started out in large ways following the traditions set by Hewlett and Packard back in the early days when the founders were in charge of the company. Yeah, it does make you wonder. Apple has come so far, though. You know, when you look at at where they started, and you know, especially in the last decade, they've come so far. And you, you can't argue with uh, with what they've been able to do. And they've just bypassed everybody. And they do nope. it their own way. And this is maybe another issue I wanted to bring up about this, is take a look and consider, for example, in terms of the way Apple is running, they do their research and development. There's an article at Seeking Alpha that you may or may not have seen. It's interesting because it compares the research budget for Apple against Cisco and Microsoft. So in the current year, Apple will send 9% of its revenue on research and development. Seems like a reasonable figure. Over the past 10 years, they have spent $10 billion. Sounds like a lot of money, right? It does. In the last five years, Microsoft has spent $42 billion for research and development. 
So if I'm a stockholder for Microsoft, and I'm not, and I don't play one on TV, <laughs> what do I ask? Do I say, hey, what have you guys done for my money? What have you done for me today? Yeah. I, I think that the, the problems plaguing a lot of these, these companies are, it's the same for all of them. And that's what they just don't seem to be focusing on the right things. I mean, Apple seems to be able to, to say in three years, this is what people are going to want. And we need to develop the technology or buy it to get us to that point so that in three years we can launch this product. And they do that. They did that with – now, remember, Apple was working on the iPad before they were working on the iPhone. But they didn't see the market for the iPad right then. They saw a bigger market for the iPhone. So they, they took all of that work and put it towards an iPhone and released the iPhone in 2007. And the iPad came later. So Apple was able to see that. They moved towards that. They released the product, and it was a huge success. The other companies have been following Apple and trying to match their success. Many of them, uh, Samsung and HTC, have just been riding the coattails. And, you know, that's what all the patent lawsuits are about. In, in trying to to catch up to Apple, but every time they do, Apple takes a turn left or right, and again leaves people in the in the dust. And it, it's got to be frustrating for those companies. But if some companies and some people say, "Well, the touch screen, the way that Apple does it in the OS, it was inevitable." If it was inevitable, why didn't somebody do it before 2007? It wasn't inevitable. It was the way that Apple brought it to market and the, the technology that they brought with them. I think part of the issues here that you have to consider with the way Apple does things is Apple has a very slim management level. They yeah. build their products with small teams, very small teams. Microsoft has multiple levels of management, lots and lots of committees. They've got lots of people working there. They've got what, twice as many employees as Apple? Oh, they must have. Actually, it would be a lot more, but Apple has the retail stores. That's the difference right now. Otherwise, it would be three times as many employees. But, okay, so <laughs> Apple is doing it as a leaner, meaner company. How does Apple do it, and how does Microsoft not? Now, Microsoft wants to emulate Apple. We know that. Microsoft yeah. wants to build products that emulate Apple. Apple has touch. They have gestures. Windows 8 will have more gestures because Windows 8 has to have more features. So bullet points say, okay, you've got... 27 different gestures. I'm just throwing out a number, folks. Don't call or write and say, Gene, it's actually 26. Whatever it is. Okay, so we at Microsoft will have 90 gestures. doesn't matter if anybody needs them. We'll have them because it's a feature Apple doesn't have. We'll build them with a bullet point PowerPoint presentation. We won't even use Keynote. We'll use PowerPoint, of course. We developed it. We wasted a lot of money developing that, too. you got to think, what has Apple spent building Mac OS X. All these years, they spent $10 billion since 2001 to build everything, including every single version of Mac OS X, which first came out in 2001, maybe a few hundred million for the previous development years. How much does Microsoft spend on one version of Windows? One version. Tell me. I have no idea. You could look it up, but it's billions. I mean, you have to think, how can Apple do this, get a new operating system every year, but Microsoft just can't figure it out. I think there's a couple of reasons for that, I, I believe. One is that Apple is, 
will very quickly leave older models of, of hardware behind. And Microsoft won't do that. Microsoft is all about backwards compatibility. Apple is about moving forward. So uh, take a look at uh, probably every second OS that's been released since Mac OS X first launched. And one of the things that you'll see in there is that you need this computer and higher in order to run this. It's not going to run on systems, you know, that are really old. And I agree with that strategy because it keeps pushing forward. It keeps not only Apple pushing forward, but it keeps the developers pushing forward. And you often see developers release an app and it says, you know, you need the newest Mac OS 10 in order to run this piece of software. If you don't have it, you know what? You can't buy it. And you probably test as much software as I do, Gene, and you know that developers will, will write and say, what do you think about only selling this to the new, for the new OS because it has these features that I can only access in the new operating system? We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Attention GCN listeners, do you have a Patriot on your Christmas list that's nearly impossible to shop for? How would you like the ability to get top-of-the-line, hard-to-find gifts at equally hard-to-beat prices without leaving the comfort of your home? Why fight the crowd? Simply log on to your computer for great gifts and deals for the -the off-the-grid enthusiast in your family. At offthegridchristmas.com, you'll find great prices on the most popular off-the-grid gifts available today. At offthegridchristmas.com, you'll find unbeatable deals on emergency backup power, herb and vegetable seeds, dehydrated foods, emergency evacuation packs, solar ovens, gun safes, and a host of truly unique stocking stuffers. In these hard times, why not give a gift that really counts, a gift that could truly make a difference? Go to offthegridchristmas.com and our Christmas video highlighting perfect gifts for the -the off-the-grid fans in your family. Unbeatable gear, unbeatable prices, no more searching. Offthegridchristmas.com, that's offthegridchristmas.com. Burglars love easy targets, like a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. 
fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, comes with AC adapter, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95, so get one for you and give one or more for Christmas. Now through Christmas, get free standard shipping on any quantity fake TV purchase. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. FakeTV.com, the burglar deterrent. Discover a natural way to experience cleaner, healthier indoor air without expensive filters and high-priced machines. Discover what healthcare professionals have known for decades. Salt ionizes and purifies indoor air. That's why you need to visit SilverSkyImports.com. SilverSkyImports.com offers a wide assortment of Himalayan crystal salt lamps, handcrafted from salt crystals that are millions of years old, contain healthy ions that eliminate odor, reduce bacteria, and can even help allergy and asthma sufferers, which means you and your family will breathe better, sleep sounder, and have more energy. These salt lamps are available in stunning, natural colors and shapes to accent any home or office, are environmentally friendly, and best of all, they're affordable. And don't forget SilverSkyImports.com also carries gourmet and bath salts. Order today at SilverSkyImports.com or call 800-494-1369. That's 800-494-1369. Breathe easier, feel better, live healthier at SilverSkyImports.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop of LoopInsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And we are exploring just this. We're exploring the various elements of research and development, how Apple can do things on the cheap, and how Microsoft hasn't a clue. And I haven't even brought up Cisco. What has Cisco developed in the last five years? Tell me one cutting-edge product or service from Cisco. I'm not talking about fancy routers. I have a Cisco E4200 router. It's a very good router, great router. I like it better than my Airport Express. But it didn't cost $25 billion to develop the vet. That's what Cisco has spent for the past five years, $25 billion on research and development. Are these guys crazy? Well, I think so. I, I really, I do. I, I just, I don't understand how some of these big companies continue to operate. I, I don't understand how the big companies continue, how the the, uh, uh, the boards and the, the investors continue to let these companies do what they do. I really don't. You wonder if they aren't getting smoke and mirrors from management. You know, you ask well, the management, well, okay, folks, you spent all this money. What did you get for it? That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, what what our companies get? What have, what have they delivered? A new logo, maybe? You know, they buy companies, but is that is that really anything? They buy companies. Do they even use the technology? Sometimes. Well, Apple does that too. But just think, for example, this we have Flip Video that Cisco bought. I don't know how much they spent. What? hundreds of millions, billions on that company. I guess you don't count that as a big investment in research and development. I guess you could call it that. 
I don't know how you basically allocate a capital investment of that nature. So you bring out this flip video, and in a couple of years, it's gone. Yeah. I don't say anything is wrong with it, but I guess, you know, you have smartphones doing the same thing. So if smartphones are doing the same thing that a flip video could do, why do I want a flip video? I mean, the flip video is a great product. I tell you, I think the flip video is really nice. But I think my iPhone 4 or 4S does as well or better. So why do I need it? Well, especially now, you know, the, the, the iPhone uh, 4S is great. I mean, you know, it, it does 1080p and great video. No problems there at all. So basically, Apple killed the market for the flip video, I guess. That's yeah, a fair well, thing Apple's, to say. Apple's been killing uh, a lot of, of different uh, markets. You know, look at the point-and-shoot. I, I used to go out and buy uh, point-and-shoot uh, uh, cameras. I don't anymore. I don't need to. Well, this, of course, is what Apple has also done. But I guess all smartphones have kind of done that. Any smartphone with a decent-level camera kills point-and-shoot because how many things do you stick in your pocket? You know, it gets back to the same thing when it comes to buying, like, an e-book reader. I can do everything on my iPad, and maybe the text is sharper on the e-ink, the traditional Amazon Kindle. But how many objects am I going to buy? I can't afford to buy all this stuff. I have, for example, a Canon camera, and Canon makes excellent point-and-shoot cameras. I have a Canon point-and-shoot I bought five years ago. Since I've had various levels of iPhones, I haven't used it. Now, the latest iPhone, the 4 and the 4S, you know, it's got equal or more megapixels than that Canon camera. And with the new iPhone 4S, the pictures are so much better. I think they match in almost every way the Canon camera. Maybe some more fine-tuning there. But just taking something out and shooting a picture, how many gadgets are you looking for in your pocket? Yeah. I I agree with you. And it's it's the the whole reason that you know, the iPhone, I, I've taken the iPhone to Europe. Uh, you know, I've done all kinds of things with this iPhone, and it's all that I need. Exactly. And I know my son has a smartphone, but he doesn't have an iPhone. He has a Nokia, possibly because it was very cheap. He couldn't get a free iPhone in Spain, you know, so he got what was cheap, and this was cheap. So he had to, you know, get a contract with his mobile phone provider, and that's fine. You know, get what works. I guess it sort of takes pictures, but he still uses a separate Canon to take pictures. I think in a couple of years, he's going to get himself a smartphone that's going to do everything. Well, that's where we are, isn't it? That's how the industry has changed. That's how Apple has altered the industry. And then we have to look then at the functions of a personal computer. So if we accept the iPad as a personal computer... And we accept that in roughly the same category as the Mac or the PC. And that makes sense. What about the iPhone? Is the iPhone not a personal computer? Well, it's getting there. I mean, I do, I do a lot of stuff. I can sit at, at night and do a lot of stuff on my iPhone. You know, that I, I don't necessarily need uh, uh, a computer to do. So why isn't it a personal computer then? 
Well, I'll tell you something, the way we work here, the Steinberg family. And what I do, I don't ask anybody out there to do what I do, or as I say. Okay? So make it real brief. Okay. My wife uses an iPad. Okay? She does, you know, online shopping or just checking things out. At night when I go to bed, I keep my iPhone next to me, and I refer to it every so often to check email because the iPad is just a bigger thing to grab from the night table. So I don't use the iPad as much. I use the iPhone as my second computing device. Mm. There'll be times we'll have to run into my office area because my Mac does things so much better. Well, I certainly, when I'm doing music, I certainly use... uh um, my my Mac Pro, you you definitely need that. Um, but well, you, you can know, put GarageBand on iPad. Yeah, yeah, I, and I do have it there. Um, when I when I sit down to do my work during the day, I I use a 17 inch laptop at home, and I do that because of the screen real estate. When at night, I often use my iPad. You know, sitting watching TV or talking to my wife or whatever, I'll use my iPad. Um, just because I, I don't, I'm browsing at that point. Um, when I travel, I usually take an iPad and my 11 or 13 inch MacBook Air. So when I'm at the hotel, I'll use the, the Air. And when, I, when I'm out and around, I'll have my iPad with me. I can't see personally using an iPad for the things I would do at a hotel. You know, I think that's a little underkill for me. Maybe I'd bring it with me on the trip, but it's not going to be my primary computing device. There's no way I can do it that way. Yeah, uh, I certainly understand that, and that's why I I take an, a computer with me. But it is... It, it is pretty powerful. I mean, you can do a lot of stuff. I think over time you'll see it take over more and more functions of the computer, but also take on specialized functions that aren't as convenient for a standard personal computer. Just having doctors make rounds or nurses with their iPad, which is connected by Wi-Fi to the hospital network, so they know they're giving somebody the right medication. They can check their records, check everything. They don't have to keep asking you, at every stage in the visit, oh, by the way, what do you take for medication? Well, I told that to the past 26 nurses. I went through every generation in a hospital. I don't know how they do it in Canada. But every generation of customer interaction, they ask you the same questions. At one point, you're going to make a mistake. (laughs) Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I the way that the iPad is being used now is just incredible in, in a lot of different fields. Uh, medical, airlines, you know, it's great stuff. It's great to see. Okay, okay. Anyway, let's just kind of get to the point here where we need to know what else are you doing? Oh, uh, wow, I'm, I'm just keeping real busy uh, on the website. You know, there's been... Uh, a lot of big changes, and I, I've got, uh, you know, plans for server, new servers, and all kinds of things going on that uh, that keep me busy. And, we, you know, we're, we're expanding the, the type of content that we're posting. So it's been a lot of fun to try out different things. 
you know, instead of just posting something about Apple, um, you know, we'll we'll pick something about design that's you know really fascinating uh, or photography. I'll tell you and what. Tell our listeners where they can find more of that information. They can find it at uh, loopinsight.com, and they can find me on Twitter at Jay Dalrymple. Jim Dalrymple, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. From Macworld Magazine, he's Lex Friedman. I'm Gene Steinberg from the Tech Night Owl Live, and we get together every so often to talk about a lot of stuff. And one of the issues I've been raising on the show for several weeks now, since iTunes Match first came out, this is the feature that works with Apple's iCloud, where they will let you load your music library in the cloud, but of course they'll check it against iTunes. And so if the song is available in iTunes, you get their pristine 256K version. It might be a later release, like I did with the Beatles. But sometimes it doesn't match. Some songs in a normal mainstream album do not match, like She Came In Through the Bathroom Window by the Beatles and Abbey Road. Famous song, right? Even, right. I thought maybe they loved the Joe Cocker version over at Apple. <laughs> and so they'd match with that one. But have you seen this phenomenon continuing? I have, you know, and it's it's funny because I, I even call it the bathroom window issue because it's, you know, when you look at that Abbey Road album, every single song gets matched by iTunes Match with one exception, uh, that track. And it's, to me, it's it's clear that whatever the issue is, it's something on Apple's end. You know, I, first people were wondering, is it because of how I encoded it? Um, did I do something wrong when I ripped the track? Did I get it from somewhere nefarious so Apple's not matching it? But the same tracks again and again are showing up as not matched for different users who acquired the tracks in different ways. I believe 
believe you know Jason Snell, editor at MacWorld, has the um, you know he ripped the track directly from the CD, and iTunes won't match it. And I bought it from Amazon, and iTunes won't match it. So it's it's clearly something on Apple's end. And what's what's I think the trickiest thing about this problem is that thus far Apple has provided no official way to tell iTunes, hey, check this song again, see if you can find a match for it now, because clearly first they have to fix whatever's broken on their end, and then you have to find some way to tell iTunes match, hey, check she came in through the bathroom window again and see if you found a match. And I'll tell you what, even worse, iTunes customer service will not admit they even understand the problem, okay? Now, I had another problem. I might have mentioned it to you. I might have mentioned it to one of your colleagues, probably Dan Morin, where I first signed up with iTunes Match, and I couldn't use it on my iPhone. I have an iPhone 4 here. could not use it because I kept getting the message that that particular product was already set up under a different Apple ID. And huh. if you do that, you've got this 90-day window. So right. if you change the ID for any reason other than the one you've been using for iTunes Match, you have to wait 90 days. Supposedly, this is expected to somehow reduce the possibility of music piracy may be made in concessions with the music companies. I don't know. Right. Okay. But I didn't do that. I checked all my Apple IDs, and none of them listed the iPhone as a device that had been added. None. Interesting. So finally, I went back and forth for about eight or ten days with Apple, and I said, I didn't do it. I didn't make this mistake. This is not my problem. It's your problem to fix. And they decided, okay, we fixed it. <laughs> So they fixed it. It's okay now. I then wrote them about iTunes Match. I said, how come the song on a normal album that you have available at iTunes is not matching? And they gave me this list of definitions. This is uploaded. This is matched. This is purchased. I said, I'm not interested in the labels. I want to know why one song or two songs or more songs from a normal album that you have available are not being matched. And I'm not getting these songs from exotic places. I ripped them from the CD. In every case, I ripped them from a commercially available mainstream CD. Nothing weird about it. I didn't buy a pirated version or a redone version. I paid the normal price at Amazon or at Best Buy or at Walmart, whatever. Bought these over the years, and I couldn't figure out what's going on. The Beatles' White Album is worse. Less, fewer songs are matched. Right. Two songs don't match in the Beatles' Help album. Past Masters is misery. The Best of Blondie doesn't match every song. There are a couple of songs in Best of Blondie, which Apple has available, that do not match. And now I mentioned, you know, there's no endorsed or Apple-approved way to go ahead and tell iTunes match. Hey, check again and see if you have a match. The only way that I've found thus far that works to get it to at least check again is to actually delete the song entirely from your library and then check the box that says, do you want to delete this from iCloud too? So you've completely removed it from everywhere and then add another copy of that track back in again, which is clearly, you know, a terrible way to do that. It also loses any ratings or other data that you've associated with that track. But it's really Apple's got to fix two things. They've got to find a way to rescale tracks that they've already uploaded and two they've got to you know actually match these songs for so what i can't understand why they would i think it's got to be just you know bulk encoding errors on their end because you know they're using all kinds of acoustic and file size and other things to try to match these tracks together it's obvious to me that something's going wrong with you know not many tracks but with enough tracks that it's it's clearly a problem there is one feature i thought would work which is from the store menu in itunes called update itunes match 
Right. So in theory, shouldn't it recheck the database to make sure everything is okay? In my testing so far, it, it's hard to tell because I don't know that Apple's fixed anything. But in my testing so far, I update iTunes match checks that you've changed. It'll say, you know, you can check there's a, an iTunes match I item appears in the store list on the left and you can see it's you know it says i'm checking five songs or i'm checking 12 new songs it doesn't seem that it does anything to check previously uploaded tracks in any way that i can say you know i think because i think that ultimately that's the only way it could possibly work at apple's end when apple fixes this database the only way to make it simple for customers is to suggest you use this feature it will recheck your songs and then if there have been any changes, right, it will reload them. Or maybe Apple has basically taken a 90% approach here, which is they think they've got 90% or 80% of these particular problems addressed. And therefore, let's just get the feature out there. And then a few months later, we'll have a revision and fix everything, then urge people to do it or release a new version of iTunes with right. some fixes, and upon launching it for the first time, it will rescan your iTunes Match library to confirm the status. Yeah, I think you may well be right. And the only funny thing about it to, that I really think about is uh, how many copies do you think Apple now has uploaded individually of nearly identical copies of uh, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, for one? They must have thousands upon thousands of iTunes Match customers who've all uploaded their own copies of that track. So it seems that there would be extra obvious ways for them to notice the problem and which tracks are afflicted and see that all those tracks match, so they could probably start matching it themselves. And the key here, of course, is that it's not just the people who get it from different sources. But if you get it from a regular commercially available Beatles CD, whether the original one from the 1980s or the remixed version from, what, 2009 or something like that, right. whatever the source, either way, those should be matched first. Numeral uno. Right. While we're complaining about iTunes Match problems, and I, I want to take a step back and say I really do appreciate iTunes Match, and I'm finding it much more useful and impressive an offering than I expected to. But one less discussed problem that I'm seeing with it is as soon as I turn on iTunes Match on any iOS device, I lose the ability to play Genius playlists. The, the Genius atom-shaped icon vanishes from my iOS devices, and I can't do it. If I turn off iTunes Match, I get the Genius option again, but as long as it's on, you can't get any Genius playlists. Okay, we understand this thing is not fully baked yet. Right. And I think they were under the gun there, because we know they promised it originally the end of October. Yep. It didn't happen. And you saw these ongoing beta tests where they tell developers, we're going to clean out the list it's going to have to do it all over again. So accept it. All right. So they probably reached a point saying, you know what? We've got it mostly working. We've got the holiday season. We really need to get this thing out. It's good enough. Let's fix it later. Now, some people like to say, well, Apple, they're perfectionists. How could they let this happen? But, you know, there's a level of perfection that you can achieve. And then there's a level of perfection. So you still have to, you know, not let the good be the enemy of the perfect or something like that. Right. Or vice versa, depending on how you want to approach it. The point being that even with the iOS, iOS 5, they may have known there were defects, but they let the thing get out as soon as pretty much everything was working. Whether they knew there was a defect with battery life, with iPhone 4S or an iPhone 4, I don't know. That might not have been discovered until after the thing was released. But with any software development project, especially a new one, there has to be a point where you say, 
hey, this is good enough. This is the best we can do. It's releasable. And we'll get to the rest later. Right. Lex Friedman is releasable, they tell me. They're letting him out next week. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178. Did you know that gold and silver contain healing properties? It's true. Since the beginning of mankind's history, gold and silver have not only been used as real money, but also for healing our minds and bodies. UtopiaSilver.com is your leading source for colloidal silver and colloidal gold, offering supplement protocols that can heal and enhance your health. Protocols for boosting the immune system, insomnia, yeast infections, herpes, and countering the effects of vaccinations and radiation poisoning. And now Utopia UtopiaSilver.com encourages the use of real money with this buy one, get one free real money special. For details on your colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements, call 888-213-4338 and ask about 50% off for first-time customers. That's 888-213-4338 or visit UtopiaSilver.com, UtopiaSilver.com, fighting for liberty and healing one American at a time. Jason Lewis here with the holidays just around the corner. Be sure to consider the greatest gift you can give to your friends and family peace of mind. That's why I choose wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna, savory stroganoff, and pasta alfredo that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. And they're ready to eat in minutes. Simply add hot water. Request a free entree sample today at wisefoodstorage.com and for a limited time, get free shipping and 10% off of your order. That's right, a free entree 
free shipping, and 10% off any order. Just use promo code LEWIS. Call 855-FOODWISE. That's 855-366-3947. Or visit wisefoodstorage.com. That's wise, W-I-S-E, foodstorage.com. Gourmet emergency food at the best price and the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love this holiday season. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. I also want to thank all the great guests who come on the show from Macworld and other publications, and they put up with my guff because I'm the host. You know, I can cut them off, but they don't have to come on my show. They're nice people. They have lots of information, such as Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine. And we're exploring iTunes Match, kind of hoping, praying that they will get their acts together in Apple and fix these problems so we won't have to complain about them. I'm concerned that Apple's customer service doesn't even say anything. I mean, I wrote them back saying, please do not insult my intelligence. I said that in so many words. I understand the rules in iTunes match, but it's not working. Would you please explain what's wrong? You know, what I imagine happens here, Gene, is it's the same people who make the decisions, uh, the high-level decisions that then trickle down to Apple's PR team is they don't want to say anything, whether to customers or to the press or anybody else, until they know what the answer is and until they're content with that answer. You know, so, you know, people started complaining about, you know, iPhone 4S battery life issues, which then became broader iOS 5 battery issues. Apple didn't say anything for days and days until they said, yes, we think there are battery issues and we're about to release an update that will address them. And I think it's the same thing here where, yes, Apple clearly knows that there's iTunes match issues and they're not ready to say anything, whether to customers who need support or press who are asking about it until they have a fix in place. And given how they uh, were late just in releasing the feature, it, it doesn't surprise me that they're a little bit slower in addressing these other issues either. That's one area where Apple can be a bit more loose about that. Just say, look, we're getting reports of this problem. We're looking into it, and we'll give you progress reports. Right. I mean, you don't have to say, hey, folks, we don't know or give an answer that may or may not be true. We don't want Apple to do that because I don't think that that makes sense for anybody. Apple shouldn't have to admit something they don't know. If they don't know what the answer is, they're not constrained to admit it. They can say, we're investigating it. I don't know how many people are complaining. I know I got a kind of maddening letter from someone when I did a blog entry at technightowl.com about the problems I have with iTunes Match. And the person said, well, it works fine with me just because it doesn't work for you. You're the only one. And of course, the article made it clear that I am one of many. Yeah. We, we talked before about how... Uh iTunes Match, for whatever reason, messes with Genius mixes on the iOS device. I'll, the other, I think, failing of iTunes Match that's apparent to me is it, when you turn it on, you lose the ability to upgrade tracks to iTunes Plus, you know, to, to remove the DRM and get the high 256 kbps version of the songs. That vanishes from iTunes. And it vanishes from iTunes because iTunes Match, if you use it the, the right way, will upgrade your tracks for you as part of the $25 a year fee. But Apple doesn't make that at all obvious. There's no, you know, 
we've posted on Macworld and other folks have posted online as well. You know, here's how to create the right smart playlist so you can figure out which tracks iTunes has matched that you could download higher quality versions of from the ones you have. But it's, you know, it's a process. You have to manually create a couple different smart playlists and then monitor them and download thousands of tracks. If Apple's willing to let you do that, which clearly the company is since it's a feature of iTunes Match, uh, there's no reason to make it so cumbersome, which is what it is right now. And I, I, I think that's another failing and it's an odd oversight since what part of the appeal is, you know, get these higher quality, better encoded versions of the tracks you already own, uh, making you step through uh, a, a not so simple process to get those tracks strikes me as odd. Now understand there is a limitation here. If you have a song encoded with less than 96k, which is right. I guess the ultimate pirated track, maybe that's what the concern <laughs> is. They're not going to match it. Forget it. The trick there is, I mean, you're absolutely right. And people are finding, you know, it's it's with tracks they grabbed from a long time ago, or it's tracks that they encoded themselves with variable bitrate encoding with, you know, some of the earliest MP3 encoders that were available for the Mac. The, the trick is, if you go into iTunes and you control-click or right-click on the track and say, you know, create MP3 or create AAC version, I, iTunes will create a... Uh, you know, a theoretically upconverted version of the track. You know, it'll create whatever your default setting is. Maybe it's 128 or 256. The song's the same. It won't sound any better for your copy, but it's high enough quality now that iTunes Match will match it if it can. And uh, that's how you can get all of your old, poorly encoded tracks matched with much higher quality versions straight from Apple. Well, at least you have the workarounds. Let's hope right. they can work around the other defects. It'd really be nice. It would. I want to mention something, a story you wrote a few days ago for Macworld, entitled Apple Approves Then Pulls iTether App. Now, explain to our listeners what tethering is all about and what this app promised to do. Sure. You know, it's, it's funny. That's one of the very rare Macworld stories where we actually ended up changing the headline because the original headline was Apple Approves iTether App. But the... Uh, you know, tethering is the, the notion of saying I have my iPhone and it's got this 3G internet connection and I've got, say, my Mac with me and I don't have a, a Wi-Fi connection available. So I tether the my Mac to the iPhone so that I can exploit my iPhone's internet connection on the Mac. Now, in a lot of countries, that's uh, an option that's freely available to smartphone customers. You have a data plan on your smartphone. If you want to tether it to tether your computer so that you can take advantage of that internet connection from your phone, go for it. In the U.S., the carriers now all allow it, but they charge you extra for it. And some of them charge you substantially extra for it. There's usually just a single fee to turn on the ability to get the extra, to, to, to be allowed to tether, and then a second fee to add some more data to your plan. Isn't Apps, this, though, like double dipping? I mean, you're paying for the bandwidth. Why does it matter what you use it for? It's a really, you know, I, I truly don't understand it, especially because if you go over on your data, the carriers are going to charge you for it anyway. So I think that what happens is carriers... I believe I don't know if they're right, but I believe that the carriers are thinking, you know, many people who own smartphones don't do much with their data. So we have a lot of people who are paying, say, for two gigabytes worth of data a month or even for 200 megabytes of data a month and who aren't getting anywhere close to it on their smartphones. If we allow tethering without an extra fee, more people will use more of the data allotted to them, not necessarily go over, but actually use the data they're already paying for and that they're not equipped to handle that load. That's just my theory, but that's what I believe. I think the only reason to, to discourage people from tethering the, to use data that they're already paying for is because you don't think you can handle the data that they would actually use. Not just because they're greedy so-and-sos. Oh, that well, is another reason 
that is definitely another reason. But if they were greedy so-and-sos, you'd think they might just let you start tethering so that you could get all those data overages that you'd start to use if you relied on that connection full-time. Well, then, so that of course, the- people who are tethering might consider watching their bandwidth utilization. But doesn't right. the carrier notify you when you're getting close to exceeding the limit? It should. It doesn't always, and people can get burned that way. But you should get a text message or some other notification if you're getting close to going over your data limit. Stop. Uh, you're going to exceed your limit. Beep, beep, beep. It's not like you, of course, exceed your limit of minutes and they say, oh, this is nice. We can charge you $10,000 this month. Exactly. Okay. They don't let you do that. It doesn't so work. With this iTether app then, it was you know the, the at least the third in a long line of apps that have found their way into the app store that allow you to tether without paying a tethering fee. You know, the first one, this was years ago now, I think it was uh, 2008, there was an app called NetShare that went on sale for $10. It was very clear about what it did. It was, you know, share your phone's internet connection with your Mac. And this was before, I believe, AT&T even had a tethering option available that you literally couldn't use your iPhone to do it. This app turned it on, and then after a day or two, it was gone. Apple pulled it from the store. Why it got approved, no one knows. In 2010, I reported on an app called HandyLight, which was an app that disguised itself basically as a flashlight, a multicolored flashlight that you could turn your iPhone screen a solid bright color and use it to see. But as soon as the app got in the store, word leaked out that if you tapped on all the different colors in the right order, you know, red, red, green, blue, orange, yellow, red, you suddenly turned on its ability to act as a Wi-Fi hotspot for you so you could start tethering to your internet connection. As soon as Apple- secret handshake and Apple got to the bottom of it. We have Lex Friedman. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Solar power. Solar power. Hand crank power. Hand crank power. Radio power. Radio power. The goods you want, the good deals you need to power up your survival are at 21stCenturyGoods.com. In our solar department, you'll find solar generator kits, solar lanterns, flashlights, radios, and solar cell phone and laptop chargers. 21stCenturyGoods.com is your hand crank headquarters for everything from generators to flashlights to emergency, weather, and shortwave radios by Grundig and Cato. Big brand names and big deals. Like this. Get a free solar flashlight with every order over $75. But hurry, offer ends soon. Go to 21stCenturyGoods.com. Spelled the number 2, the number 1, ST, CenturyGoods.com. That's 21stCenturyGoods.com. Or call 866-999-8422. 
21stCenturyGoods.com. Power up your survival. Local Army Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, military.com. We have everything for true, total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits, magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches, first aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military manuals, sandbags by the bail, and a huge molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207-989-6783, 207-989-6783, or visit MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E, Military.com, the main name in military supply. Hey, everybody, Alex Jones here. If you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift, listen up. This will make your holiday shopping very easy. This year, give a seed bank from one of our oldest sponsors, Solutions from Science, to your friends and family. Here's why. The Survival Seed Bank will give any friend or loved one the ability to grow a full acre crisis garden of nutritionally dense, life-sustaining food. And the Survival Seed Bank is not just a box of open-pollinated seeds. It's an indestructible, waterproof seed bank that can even be buried if we face a real meltdown. And here's the best part. All the seeds in the Survival Seed Bank go through strict germination testing so you can be confident you're not buying old seeds. Give a Survival Seed Bank this Christmas by going to SurvivalSeedBank.com. That's SurvivalSeedBank.com. Or you can call 877-327-0365 to give the gift that produces an ongoing supply of life-sustaining food. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. We're back with Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Isle Live, and we were telling you the secret there, where this secret handshake made a simple flashlight app become a tethering app, but when they discovered the truth, when the truth was out there, they pulled the plug. That's how it goes. Speaking of AT&T, they're not getting the love these days. They want to merge with T-Mobile, and the Department of Justice says, uh-uh. We have this preliminary report that came down from the FCC that says this could cause the loss of jobs, which you kind of expect because anytime there's a merger, what happens despite AT&T saying, oh, no, we'll add people, we'll do this, that, and the other thing. Sure, right. Because what happens here is you find redundancies. You know, you have two customer support stations. You have two billing departments. So you consolidate them, and suddenly lots of people find that they don't have jobs anymore. Mergers inevitable. So this is one of the conclusions. The FCC making this decision. So as a strategic move, AT&T pulls the application, hoping to make some kind of deal with the Department of Justice. But I'm kind of thinking here, this merger, it sounds like it's dead. 
Yeah. I mean, I'll be very surprised if, if it gets approved in any way that AT&T is hoping to see. And, you know, the challenge for T-Mobile is going to be that I believe that this has been T-Mobile's strategy has been get acquired by AT&T and then consider their problem solved. But right now, T-Mobile is the only carrier that doesn't have the iPhone to sell. And T-Mobile has said very publicly that they wish they could carry the iPhone. They've said that in the past, they have more than a million iPhone customers on their network who either use you know, Apple officially unlocked iPhones or jailbroken and then unlocked iPhones on their network. But anybody who does that, including my own wife, she uses a, a factory unlocked iPhone on T-Mobile's network, doesn't get 3G data speed, Doesn't certainly doesn't get 4G data speed. They, they can get 2G and that's it. Because Seriously. the fact is that they're using different frequencies. Now, one of the possible things that might happen here is that as part of the breakup, T-Mobile may get some spectrum from AT&T. Of course, you have to look at this and say, wait a minute, We've got another issue here, which is just as complicated. AT&T doesn't have the capacity now to properly handle traffic in some of the larger cities. You know, San Francisco, because we understand it's hard to get cell towers erected. But we have the situation where AT&T, I guess, is getting better. And we saw the survey showing that AT&T had more dropped calls than Verizon, but Sprint was worse. So whatever. The point is here that AT&T is not going to gain, but then, you know, $4 billion, which is what they give up. If this deal fails, that's chump change. And you know what? AT&T wanted to spend $39 billion in cash and stock to acquire T-Mobile. They could have doubled their network for less than that, right? Right. And it's it, the, the, the painful part is AT&T's failure to spend that kind of money to improve its network because, I mean, clearly AT&T drops a lot of calls. There's good things about its network. It can be very speedy if you're in the right place. It can, you know, you can make the simultaneous calls with data usage. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that they couldn't take any of those billions and say, let's upgrade our network, let's put in more capacity, I think is really kind of insulting to their customers. And AT&T's known that they've had this problem coming for years and years uh, and was clearly unready for the success, A, of the iPhone, and then B, of all the smartphones that followed. And it's, uh, yeah, I, the, the question is, assuming that this deal does fall apart like it looks like it's going to, will AT&T take some of that money and say, all right, let's invest in our network another way, or will they just try to find some new way to, to grow by dominance instead of by actually improving their network? They're also saying now that if T-Mobile doesn't merge with AT&T, they would seek a merger with Sprint. But then the spectrum frequencies are different. I don't understand. How do you fix that? Unless, I guess, it depends on the electronics. Maybe you just put in a few chips on these cell towers and suddenly they become CDMA instead of GSM. What? So I think that sounds kind of impossible to me, but I'm, I'm no expert. I wonder if that just means that you'll have to have a phone that can switch between all the different bands. You know, right now, there are phones that have, you know, they're multi-band phones, including the iPhone 4S, but it, you pick which band you're on, and that's the one you're stuck with. But if, if some of these companies merge and can find a way to let you switch back and forth between the two different technologies, you know, without breaking a sweat or breaking a phone call, that would be, you know, impressive. Well, just to get the system to work. That's all we care about. Right. When we make a call, we like to keep it. I'd also like to see better sound quality. I'm a big audio nut, as you probably know. Not just being a regular nut, but a home audio nut. And wouldn't it be nice if you didn't know when someone called you with a mobile phone? It didn't sound like, to use a vernacular, dreck. Right. And it's, you know, you can hear if you make a FaceTime call, let's say, Apple's video conferencing technology. 
uh, you have to be on Wi-Fi to use FaceTime. As soon as you hear that call going over Wi-Fi as opposed to going over the cellular network, the call quality becomes dramatically improved. I think the same is true if you use Wi-Fi to make a Skype call from an iPhone. And uh, the yeah, the cell call quality across all the carriers, I think, is very disappointing and consistently lousy. Because they're trying to push as many calls onto the same network, keep the costs down. And, of course, the one obvious way to improve voice quality is to improve the bandwidth of each call. When you do that, of course, it costs you more because you have to increase capacity. And, Gene, when you have the, the sonar and voice quality that, that you or I possess, it's even more disappointing when people can't fully appreciate its quality. Naturally. Do we want this? You know, it's bad enough, of course, that when we go out over the network, just like with satellite radio, it's 64K. Right. That's you know, so I'm being compressed. People are compressing me. I feel it now. On my stomach, I feel the compression. I know I should bring in some people who are overweight. I'm not overweight. I should bring in people who are overweight and say, let's get your voice compressed, and that will compress the rest of you. It's a good thought. It's a bad fat joke. You're not overweight, are you, Lex? I'm not, fortunately. Not yet. I use a treadmill desk, so I, it keeps me in shape. Well, I work out every day. Not the treadmill, but I do things, and I'm still alive, you know, in a manner of speaking. Anyway... So your prediction here, AT&T merger fails. I think it'll fail, yes. Okay. Now, have you had a chance to play with the Kindle Fire? I haven't gotten my hands on a Kindle Fire, although I've watched a couple different videos of it. There are several folks at Macworld who who pre-ordered them and got them. And so my uninformed take on the Fire, in brief, is that if you compare it to an iPad, it's a, a very lousy and unimpressive device. If you compare it to a Kindle... It's a pretty decent device. It's, you know, it can do a lot more than a regular eating Kindle can do. And if you don't mind reading on a backlit screen, then there you go. I heard a story the other day alleging that at least for that period, at Best Buy, they sold more Kindle Fires than iPads. Of course, it's a cheaper product. Right. But that doesn't necessarily translate to the entire world. And I, I also don't think that Apple's going to care all that much if that turns, you know, if that really is true. The same way that, you know, Jaguar or Lamborghini doesn't care if Honda sells more cars. Apple's not in it for market share. They've proven that I think with the Mac and the iPhone already. Apple's real goal here is, uh, you know, is profit share, and they're clearly already dominating there, and will continue to dominate there. It just so happens that the iPad also dominates on market share too, and I think that'll continue on tablet for a long time. Even if they, you know, they go from being ninety-eight percent of all tablets sold to just eighty percent of all tablets sold, I think I think that Apple will be fine with that because their profit is just out of this world. And also, the Kindle Fire is USA centric, pretty much. Is it available in other countries? I don't believe so. Okay, so here they might do well. But then as people buy them, if it's not a satisfactory product, and I'm hearing all sorts of stories about poor performance and the fact that the touch doesn't always work as well. You know, you assume fluid multi-touch on an iOS device, but Apple owns patents for that kind of multi-touch. So all the other companies that do multi-touch measures have to work around that, do different techniques, and those techniques are not as fluid. But then for $200, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe that's part of the charm right there. Well, it's not as good, but heck, for that price. Right. And, you know, it's, I think it's, if, you, if that's the only thing you can afford and you really want to get your hands on a tablet, I can understand at least the appeal of a Kindle Fire. Although I have to say, you know, I have seen and used uh, a Nook tablet. And the new Nook tablet, I think, is – I can't compare it to the Fire directly since I haven't touched one. But um, I was impressed with the, what value you do get from a Nook tablet for its price. But I mean, yeah, if, if you can only spend 200 bucks, then it's, it's hard to say that, you know, don't get one of these. But you don't get the, the, the 
app store and you don't get like you said that that smooth seamless experience that an, any iOS device is going to offer it's it's different it's it's an imitation and uh you know imitations are rarely as good as the original and it also says sent from my Amazon Kindle Fire I'll tell you what that means and the significance in a moment we have Lex Friedman I'm Gene Steinberg you're in the Tech Night Out live America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. In 2009, several international scientists concluded the WTC buildings were blown up by nanothermite. So what actually happened on 9-11? An experienced physicist with a Ph.D. in applied physics at Caltech has published an online book about this disaster, National Swindle of the World Trade Center. This factual analysis includes 37 color photos in seven chapters. Download it now for less than $13 at clane.org. That's S-E-A-L-A-N-E dot org. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. In the event of an emergency, do you really trust Obama and the federal government to provide for you and your family? Modern-day emergencies like floods, tornadoes, earthquakes, snowstorms, terrorist attacks, or anything else can strike anywhere, leaving your family vulnerable. That's why you can't afford to be without emergency food supplies. If you're like most people, you know that you need emergency food supplies, but you keep putting it off. So, to help you, Ready Reserve Foods is offering a free sample kit of emergency food so you can test our food for yourself. The food really is free. You simply pay for the shipping and we'll send you the food for free. To get your free sample kit of emergency food, simply call 800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Again, that's 1-800-453-2202 or readyreservefoods.com. Don't wait. Call now because the free sample kits are limited. So call 800-453-2202 or readyreservefoods.com. Introducing a diabetes breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. 
Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine joining us on the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. Here is my pet peeve, okay? And you're getting the measure here right now. So, of course, as soon as the iPhone came out, you saw this message on lots of emails sent from my iPhone. Of course, we understand that Blackberries have that announcement, too. Something sent from your Blackberry, you got the message. You gave them free advertising, sent from my iPad, sent from my Kindle Fire. You know, default signatures on the email apps of all these products. We understand that. Kind of like when you buy a new car and you take it home, you look at the back of the car, there's the decal, the name of the dealer, you know, from Wright Honda in Scottsdale, Arizona. All right, I've dealt with them they now owe me $10,000 for the free ad. I'm kidding. Or whatever. Or now a lot of car dealers don't want to mess up with a decal because sometimes the decals don't come off easily if you don't take them off right away. You get the license plate frame. And you're giving these guys free promotion. You just spent an average of twenty-five dollars to $30,000 for a new car. Why do you want to give your dealer free advertising? So the question being, of course, if you're getting a mobile device of some sort, why do I want to give the company who made it free advertising why does anyone care if my email comes from my iphone or from an old stick in the mud well let me let me play your devil's advocate here for a moment i think there are three reasons people leave that message there one is either laziness or lack of knowledge on how to get rid of it two is they are showing off you know if i'm proud that i have an ipad or an iphone i'd like to brag on every email i send by showing it there that's maybe not so great a reason but then three is as by way of explanation you know meaning forgive the brevity or terseness or even misspellings and typos in this email it is only because i tapped it out on my iphone which you now know since it says right there in the tag sent from my iphone so, so to therefore me in that case it's an excuse Right, it's not a free ad. Or, as you say, maybe people want to boast it. But then that's your own decision. You know, do what you want. But I have this attitude being that, you know what, on the iOS, we do not have multiple signatures. That's more important to me. I don't care whether Apple gets free publicity or not. Right. I think that's fair. It's, It's easy to understand Apple's appeal in doing it. You know, I remember with Hotmail, they said, you know, that when before Microsoft even owned it, Hotmail grew in popularity so much because it put a sent via Hotmail free webmail tag on every email they got sent. And that signature being sent around and email after email had this gigantic network growth effect where more and more people heard about it and signed up. 
So it's, I don't think Apple really needs people to hear about the iPad or the iPhone, but just seeing that everyone else is using one now and you're the, the, you're the one holdout who's not, I think, is maybe the peer pressure marketing approach that Apple's giving its hand to. Well, I understand the reason why, and I understand the marketing. I just like to change it. What about a car? When you buy a car and you see the label or the license plate frame from the dealer, are you tempted to say, you know what, I don't need to give them the publicity? Yeah, well, I, I do tend to take those off. And I'll say, you know, with with the car, you know, I always beg them and plead, usually successfully, not to do any stenciling of their dealer name on that because that, I think, is even more egregious. I would simply say to the dealer, take it off. I don't care if you have to do body work. Right. Take the thing off. You have to repaint it, take it off. The license plate frame, no. Now, we have one of our commenters over at thetechnightowl.com, and I did a column about this, giving free advertising. And he said he offered a contract to his dealer saying, I'll leave the decal or the license plate frame. You pay me $2 a day for the ads. <laughs> the dealer freaked. That's what he said. I don't know whether it's true or not. It's, you know, the truth is, you know, we have a, a lawn guy and he wanted to put a, you know, he cuts the lawn each week during the spring and summer and it's, I don't know, $32 a cut. And then one year he came back and said, hey, it's $34 a cut now. And I said, fine. And he said, by the way, can I put a sign up on your lawn to show people that I'm the one who does your lawn? And I said, sure, if we go back to 32. And so that's what we did. So I have done the same thing just on a smaller scale with my lawn guy. Well, there you go. There you go. I mean, if someone is paying me, giving me a spiff, an incentive to run the ad, well, you know, that's how we make money on this radio show. We run advertising from different sponsors. We hope you'll like them, but they're paying for it. If they don't pay for it, they don't get the ads. I don't believe in that kind of thing. Unless, you know, I really like something, I'll mention it in the editorial section. Just like Macworld will praise something. You like a product, you mention it. It has nothing to do with the advertising and sometimes it has a negative effect because you criticize something and the advertiser may get PO'd, but we don't want to go into that. Right. No, that's too much of a thing. Right. And, you know, but like you, I'm content to talk about products that I love, and I'll talk about them, like you said, in articles. I'll mention them on Twitter. I'll mention them in passing. And I'll do, if it's something that I love and that I'm proud to spread the word on, I will. But like you say. You want to have the choice to do it, and you shouldn't be forced. So I think, you know, uh, if I heard that somebody, say, like a Kindle Fire or Nook Tablet was appending those tags to your email, those signatures, without an option to disable them, that's when I would find it really offensive. But given that you can turn it on, it just takes a little bit of exploring to turn it off, I should say. It just takes a little bit of exploring to do so. I, I don't mind it, I think, as much as you do, since, uh, like I say, I think it can come out, it can be a, a useful tool if you're trying to explain why an email is, is briefer or more error-filled. No, I understand. It's an excuse. It's a dodge. Or you can do that with your desktop stuff, too. You know, you give an excuse to somebody, oh, I was doing it for my iPhone. I didn't have time, and it, you know, it takes so long to do it. I was at a stoplight, and I needed to dash this off to you, and that's my excuse. That's my reason. Right. That was good. That's a good way of getting out of it. I don't know. <laughs> that's the real excuse. I want to ask you something here, too. Now, sure. we're in the middle of something here. Apple released an iOS version 5.0.1 to fix some problems with the battery. This is something, of course, we mentioned earlier in the show about Apple announcing they know about a bug. Now, there's supposed to be another update to fix more battery life problems. Did right. you encounter any? Word on the street is Apple's already you know, started seeding 5.1 to developers, uh, which they claim will address even more battery performance issues. Have I, you know, I had an iPhone 4 that was running iOS 5, and I now have an iPhone 4S that's running iOS 5. And 
I do notice that the battery trickles down a bit faster than it used to, but I'm still getting a full day. You know, it used to be that I ended the day and I was in, you know, the somewhere between 30 to 38, 39% battery life left. And now I'm almost always in the red, you know, I'm at 20% or below. It's not a problem for me. And that's, I will admit that I'm a heavy user during the day as I'm testing apps all the time and, you know, trying things out, but, uh, it still doesn't strike me as bad. I think it is worse than it used to be, and I'm optimistic that you know 5.1 will indeed fix some of these battery performance issues. But I, if I'm still able to get through a full day with heavy use, then I don't mind too much. And there was a customer survey just came out showing 96% customer satisfaction, something in that range. You've probably heard about this. Yes. The, Huge the- customer satisfaction. I mean, it's way far and above any other device. 96%. Only 8% complained about battery life, something like right. that? Right. Well, the, the, the survey I said said, I think it's the ChangeWave survey you're referring to. And ChangeWave said that, um, you know, 34% of people mentioned that, you know, they, they wanted better battery life. Or no, sorry, 38% of people said that the iPhone 4S's battery life was a little bit too short. But almost nobody said that that was actually an issue. You know, only 8% said that it was a, a big problem. Okay. So that's very important. You know, I guess if people see, well, you know, I'm getting all this great stuff, I could always get a charger for my car. Right. And, you know, what I do is I use a battery case. My, my favorite one, and they haven't paid me or you for this appearance, is I, like, I really like the, the Mophie Juice Pack Plus for my iPhone 4 or 4S. Okay, it you makes know, it use, larger, though. It does. It makes it a little heavier, makes it a little thicker. And it's, um, you know, but it's, it also triples my battery life you know it can charge my iphone twice uh and that's in addition to the iphone's built-in charge and i can charge in the case i can sync be the case i you know i don't wear that i don't keep the iphone in that case every day uh but having that case when i travel or when i know that there's going to be a day when i'm out all day really working the iphone hard i like the security of having that battery it's a case so it's protecting the iphone and it's also giving me the tremendous amounts of extra battery life and it means i don't have to worry about it so i like that a lot Mophie Juice Pack is a product. And by the way, we had them on the show. They don't advertise. We had them on the show, and they sent me one of their products. And for day-to-day use, I didn't need it because, you know, I'm always near a charger. And even in my car, it's got a USB connector. I just have to hook an iPhone or iPod cable, whatever, and it will charge it, and it will integrate with the system. So I'm okay. But I could see if you're going out on the road and you're not near a charger or you're basically in the desert doing a hike or something and you don't want to have a situation where you don't have a mobile phone working and hopefully you're within some kind of wireless connection of some sort, this is a nice product to have. Speaking about nice things to have, we have these big issues of Macworld you have in this current issue all about iPhone and stuff. Tell us more about where we find more that Lex Friedman does. The easiest places to find me, of course, are Macworld.com and then at LexFriedman.com. And LexFriedman.com, that's your personal kind of stuff. Right. That's where I'll have my personal blog and other silly things that I do. Okay. Speaking of silly things that you do, this is the Tech Night Out Live. (laughs) We want to thank Lex Friedman for joining us this week. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. From Apple Insider and Roughly Drafted Magazine, we have our old friend Daniel Aaron Dilger. And while we're talking, he tells you the painters are over at his apartment in San Francisco. So if you hear some weird swishing noises, you know, these strange effects from paint, or you hear them dropping buckets or sloshing with paint on the carpet, we understand why. (laughs) But that's how it goes. Okay. Amongst the various people we've talked to, you are the second person to actually review the Amazon Kindle Fire. You did it for AppleInsider.com very recently. The other reviewer was Sasha Segan at PCMag.com who liked it. You didn't like it so much. Tell us what was wrong with it. Then we'll ask you what was right with it. Well, it's... it's, uh how you review it kind of depends on how, what you want it to be. And I reviewed it kind of in a, in a couple of different ways. One was just looking at what it does, what it's supposed to do. And one is how it's being positioned as kind of an iPad killer. So I tried to look at it from both perspectives. And so in, in a lot of ways, it's not trying to be an iPad. And I actually pointed that out as that's, that's kind of a novel part of, what Amazon is doing is instead of trying to do what what Google has tried to take Android in in the realm of doing this year with Android 3.0 Honeycomb and building a device that's very much like the iPad, maybe has some extra features or, or a wide wider screen or something else, delivering something that's in the price range usually higher than the iPad and trying to sort of out out jump the iPad, like leapfrog it to deliver the next great thing. All those attempts to do that have failed for Google Android licensees. It's also failed for RIM's Playbook and HP's ThinkPad, WebOS-based device. So I've seen a lot of failure this year. And now everyone's looking at the Amazon Kindle and saying, well, maybe this will take off and battle the iPad. But that's not really what Amazon is trying to do. Um, and the, the strategy that they're doing, that they're taking, is kind of the only strategy they have left. It's kind of what they have to do. So I'm trying to point out in, in the review that this is not an iPad. It's not even trying to be an iPad. They couldn't come up with an iPad. You can't just generate an iPad just because Apple's already shown how to deliver a finished product. The iPad is a very 
complex product that's, that's gone on for years and it's benefited from all this work that Apple's figured out with doing the iOS store. And, you know, it, it really builds upon all this stuff that's already there. So to have anyone do to try to replicate that would be extremely difficult. It's very similar to back in the 90s when everyone was trying to copy Office. Once Microsoft got to the position where they were, they had so much market momentum behind them, it's, it's extremely difficult to come in and compete with an entire suite of productivity apps. So now Amazon's kind of in the same place today. So what they're doing, they're coming out with a very cheap device. It's largely off the shelf. It's, it's scaled down. It's not trying to be everything. It's not trying to do video um, video conferencing or even chat or anything like that. It's not trying to be a communications device. It's not trying really hard to be a, an app platform. It's trying to kind of coast on the Amazon 2.0 smartphone apps. What it's really trying to do is sell Amazon content. And in some respects, it does a pretty fair job of doing that for playing movies um, and downloading uh, well Amazon-type apps, Amazon Android apps, so smartphone little games and stuff like that. It's fine functional for 200 bucks. It's a, it's a cheap device for doing those things. My question is how many people see value in a $200 device that is very limited in what it can do? And now, the respects, first thing here is understand the way Amazon is promoting it at their site. And we have to be clear about this. Okay? Kindle, world's best-selling e-reader. First thing they announce, best-selling e-reader. Right. So predominantly, this is being sold as an e-reader. It's not a very good e-reader. Okay, whatever. We're going to talk about that in a moment. They're talking about movies, apps, games, music, reading, and more, plus Amazon's revolutionary cloud-accelerated web browser, which we also want to talk about how well that's doing. Okay, so functionally, it's consumption first, way above everything else. It starts as an e-reader, but it's not doing productivity and all this other stuff you can do on an iPad. Right. I mean, Amazon's using the Kindle brand in the same way that Microsoft used the Windows brand. They're, they're saying, you know, we've achieved a little bit of success here. We're going to, like, take the same brand and just smear it over a bunch of things that have nothing to do with what we've done in the past. And so with the Kindle, a lot of people like the Kindle for a number of for a lot of reasons kind of related to the, its technology of the e-ink, which instead of a conventional LCD that's color, it's almost kind of like an electronic Etch-a-Sketch. And I found it, the screen kind of irritating because I'm used to screens that update. Um, when you turn a page on the Kindle, it go, does this kind of flash back and forth thing. And But what it gives you is good battery life because it doesn't take nearly as much power to power that kind of a screen. And it also creates kind of sharp, readable text. It looks like much closer to printed text on a page. And it's kind of a soothing black on light gray. So there's less kind of an intense, sharp contrast, and there's not a light beaming out from the back. Like when you, when you read from an iPad or an iPhone or conventional notebook, there's actually light being emitted through the screen at your face. With a Kindle, it's more like a piece of paper where you're, you have a light source in the room. You have to have a light source, can't read in the dark, that you're bouncing off the page. So it's much more like paper. And that's what Amazon has been promoting the Kindle as ever since it came out, saying it's much better than reading off your smartphone or reading off something like an iPad. 
which, okay, that's their argument. But now they're coming out with a device with a conventional LCD screen, which looks nice. If you look at it in the store, it looks nice. It's, it's sharp and bright and clear, um, has vibrant color. The problem is it contradicts everything Amazon has said about ebook reading. And on top of that, there's a couple other problems related to its form factor and size, its screen density, and its just software capability things to Android that make it a terrible screen reader, make it a terrible book reader, ebook reader. One of those things is compared to the iPhone or iPad, the screen density is low. So if you're just looking at stuff, color graphics look fine. When you start looking at text, it doesn't look good because it's basically a smartphone expanded three times. So the same number of pixels on your iPhone, but stretched out across a screen surface about three times as big. So you can see individual dots and you see color fringing around the text. It doesn't look nice. Now, the the number of pixels on the 7-inch Kindle Fire is almost as much as on the iPad. The iPad doesn't have the retina display of the iPhone 4. But with the iPad, what you can do is you have a lot more room to zoom in. So you can look at a, a page kind of like New York Times or something. You double-click, and you're looking at a column of text. And it renders that text well enough to where it looks good because it's larger text. With the 7-inch screen, you have less than half the screen area of an iPad. So you don't have as much ability to, to zoom in and out. And it's not an iPad. It's an Android device. So it doesn't zoom in well. You, you tell it to zoom with your fingers and it does whatever it's going to do. It doesn't respond like an iOS device does. So I found it very difficult to, to get a zoom level that made sense. And if you go to a web page and double tap on it, you have no idea whether it's going to zoom in or zoom out. It's just, it's just weird stuff like that that is frustrating. But in addition to the kind of general hardware problems that are related to this device, Amazon's implementation of newsstand where you're buying you know, the magazines or newspapers is also flawed. So they have two ways of doing it. First is their own version of newsstand where you can buy magazines or, or whatever from a variety of different sources and it's done through Kindle's sort of or Amazon's format so it shows you pictures of the, the magazine or, or newspaper and then you can zoom in. In all cases it didn't look very good. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us news at technightowl.com that's news at technightowl.com, we'll read each and every message. We have Daniel Aaron Dilworth of Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. 
Hi friends, this is Jeremiah from Zeobit, the makers of MacKeeper. MacKeeper is a bundled software of 16 of the most important system utilities all located in one place. It's a really powerful and cool application that includes anti-theft, antivirus, data encryption, you can undelete files, back up your data, and so much more. We offer lifetime customer support with every license, and we really do care about you and your Mac. For more information, check us out at MacKeeper.com. Once again, that's MacKeeper.com. Hey everybody, Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate. So you could lose money. Gold goes up and down. But every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery so you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought, and if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. What looks good under your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey Water Filters. Yes, the gift of clean water. A gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey Water Filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey Water Filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter. Ready for cold and flu season? Now's the time to get ready and save during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Stock up on powerful, natural flu fighters like olive leaf extract, elderberry power, and grapefruit seed liquid. Don't forget your vitamin D3 this winter. Right now, HerbalHealer.com has 120 soft gels, 1,000 IUs on sale for only $9. And remember, HerbalHealer.com offers eFoods Global Products. Delicious, premium, storable foods that contain no MSG, no trans fats, no GMO, and have a 25-year shelf life. Click the eFoods link on HerbalHealer.com and try eFood storable meals for free. Bookmark HerbalHealer.com, then experience live chat, correspondence courses, and sign up for our free newsletter. As always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and hit the pre-winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time. Since 1988. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
We have Daniel Arendil, Griff Roughly Drafted Magazine, and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night on Live. And we've been talking about the various issues of the Amazon Kindle Fire. So the sense I'm getting here is that this is sold as an e-reader, but doesn't do very well. The text is not as crisp as it should be. The fluidity with checking magazines is not as good. So in this sense, we say that the traditional e-ink version of a Kindle is better? If you like the e-ink Kindles, yeah, there's like three to choose from now. I, I, I haven't looked at the new ones a lot. I don't really like it that much, but some people do. And, you know, if you read a lot of books, you might like that. It's, it's electronic and convenient. The problem is with the Kindle Fire, you're dramatically changing all the things Amazon has been saying about what makes Kindle good. And in its place, it's delivering an Android-based device that is a 7-inch touchscreen. It's basically a big smartphone that has no phone features. And that's been rejected in the marketplace. So I think a lot of people are going to buy it and be kind of disappointed. I mean, it, it's I suppose it would be fine to give your kids to play with. You know, it's $200. I mean, it's fairly cheap. But it's really frustrating that it isn't better. And the fact that Amazon is not making any money on it, it appears that they're actually losing money on the hardware, uh, indicates that it doesn't really have a lot of reason to update it. I mean, sure, but that- we have to look at it this way, too. I'm going to ask about more of the defects. If a customer buys one, and I understand Best Buy sold quite a few, perhaps on Black Friday, etc., maybe more yeah. than the iPad for that day. Customers take this home. And they try it out. It's not working quite as well as they hoped or expected. Aren't they going to return them? That was a problem with some of those non-Apple tablets. And the netbooks. I mean, a lot of people have found there was a fad of netbooks, you know, back in, what was it, 08, 09? People were buying them, and everybody was saying, wow, this is going to change the whole PC market, and everything's going to, and no, it didn't, because people bought them for a while, and they realized these are not good products. And that's kind of what Apple was saying at the time, too. They said, we can't make a $300 computer. We don't know how. We can't make a computer that people are going to like. And so people are jacked to the price, and you buy it, and then you realize, oh, this is not as good as a more expensive device that can do a lot of things that this can't. And some people are going to be jacked to it. Some people still like netbooks. But it's not, I, don't, I don't think it's going to generate sort of the broad interest that the iPad has because the iPad does a lot of things really well. And it allows it to do a lot of things that you can do in education and in business that you just can't do with the Kindle because Kindle is kind of a plaything. So, you know, I don't, I don't begrudge Amazon trying to d- deliver a product, but it's just not a very good product. And their I expectation there is to sell books and to sell video streaming services. Their expectation there is not necessarily to have you buy lots of apps because they don't have lots of apps or to get you to expand your content. They just care about selling this lost leader to get you to buy their stuff. You go on there, and if you can order, I don't know. I just ordered a blouse for my wife on iPad, okay? This is something that's been happening, like, not too long before we were doing this segment of the interview. And it's a little bit awkward for me, you know, because I have to enter the credit card number. It's not stored, the mailing address and everything else. And I think, okay, it works okay. I can get it done. It's a little bit awkward. And I think this is a 9.7-inch screen. On a 7-inch screen, even if the dealer was Amazon, which it wasn't, I think it'd be kind of difficult, a lot more difficult, as a matter of fact. Well, the shopping experience probably wouldn't be as good, but um, they are doing something interesting with their one-touch shopping. So you're basically... Sure, because they store your credit card and all your information, so all you have to do is click, okay, 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 here we go. 
But did you, when you made your purchase on the iPad, did you do it through the Amazon app or through their website? This was not from Amazon. This was from okay. a third from party a website. fashion product reseller where you have to basically enter your credit card information every time. It doesn't seem to store that. Right. It'll store your shipping address, but credit card has to be entered. Now, understand with Amazon, with their one click ordering, basically all your ordering information is already established. You've set that up. Right. So you just click, select the item for one click and another click, it's done. That's something that Amazon is patent. Well, I mean, the, the one-click patent, that's kind of a silly thing. But, but th- there is an interesting idea about one of the big things that, that Apple's doing with iOS that people don't seem to get yet. I mean, they're, they're starting to get kind of a glimmer of it. But Apple is making the web. They're replacing the web with apps. And why that is good is because the, the web was never designed to be a sophisticated application platform. It was originally designed as a way to, you know, hyperlink text together. And then we started adding graphics and then we started adding kind of app-like features where you can maintain a session and, you know, have a shopping cart and make a purchase and things like that. But it's really, it's really a kludge. And one of the things HTML5 is trying to do is trying to make some of those app type features better, but it's never going to be as good as something like Cocoa or even, you know, Windows you're always going to have a much nicer experience when you work with a real app. And that's why people would rather work with something like Outlook or Mac OS X Mail than Webmail because it's just frustrating to work with the web and how it works. It's the only way it can work. With the Kindle Fire, Amazon is giving you an email app. How good is it? It's pretty fair. I mean, it's it's not anything fancy. It's I think it's the standard one from Android 2.2 or 2.3 or whatever it is. May have changed it a little bit, but yeah, it's not not anything amazing. But they're not trying to make anything amazing. They're trying to make something that you can buy content with. Now, the other thing is here with the browser, they're doing something that AOL used to do back in the 1990s. If anyone remembers, AOL used to have a proprietary browser before they bought Netscape. They had this browser, and to speed things up, what they would do, and this is the days of dial-up. You didn't have a lot of broadband. They would set up an intermediary or proxy server, and they would basically compress images. So, of course, the artwork is what takes the most time to download from the Internet. So you get slightly inferior quality artwork, but it would give you faster performance. Now, what Opera is doing with their proxy server is basically to cache, store the most frequently accessed sites so you get them real fast or faster. This supposedly is what Amazon is doing, some sort of intelligent algorithm. So the sites that people basically access the most will come through in their proprietary browser. But how does it work? I commented on a Cincha article. That they were testing it. They did a little video showing. It's not significantly faster with or without Silk turned on. Silk is the Amazon's technology. The browser itself is not necessarily faster. When I did the benchmarks on it, it was about in between the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 4S, even though the chip in it is closer to the iPhone 4S. So it, it's not a, it, it, has hot, it has pretty fast hardware, actually. I mean, the chip in it is a dual-core gigahertz processor. It's, I think it's the same thing that's in the um, playbook. So it doesn't have a problem rendering things slowly. It uses Wi-Fi, so it doesn't really have a slow, it's not like it's something on uh, dial-up or even on a 3G network. You can't even get 3G for it. So it's mainly going to be used where you have fast networking and it has fast hardware. And so, of course, it renders pretty well. I mean, it renders pages pretty quickly. 
what it does though it doesn't render render pages really well because it's Amazon's browser the browser that they don't call Chrome that's okay <laughs> you know, it's, it's not it's it. the not Chrome and this is <laughs> the Tech Night Out Live we're talking to Daniel Aaron Dilger The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. After work, I just want to plop down on the couch and watch TV alone. Come on, don't be like that. Who are you? I'm you. 20 years ago, when you were full of energy, better shape, great attitude, and you didn't do so bad with the ladies. Now that you're older, your testosterone levels are dropping and, well, you're not the guy you used to be. I'd give anything to feel like you again. Just try Ageless Male. It's a natural supplement proven in a clinical trial to boost testosterone 61 And within normal healthy ranges, it's not an injection, not a prescription, and with healthy testosterone levels, you can feel the energy again. Not to mention a better mood and more drive in your romantic life. More drive, huh? I really need to try Ageless Mail. Where's my phone? You're laying on it. Oops. Call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Mail. Just call 1-800-497-8345. 1-800-497-8345. 1-800-497-8345. Smokers, are you still smoking traditional cigarettes? Are you still smelling up your clothes and car interior, staining your teeth, and getting ashes everywhere? Why? When you could be smoking or vaping with e-cigarettes by LaSig. With LaSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replacement cartridges, you'll get all the satisfaction of smoking, but no smoking hazards. Choose from a wide variety of our new American-made Vapriate e-liquid flavors at LaSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com, or call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. LaSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Warning, e-cigs may contain nicotine, an addictive substance known to the state of California to cause birth defects or cancer. Please be aware of the risks associated with e-cigs prior to use. You must be 18 years or older to purchase. 
Burglars love easy targets, like a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television, so from outside it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, comes with AC adapter, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and give one or more for Christmas. Now through Christmas, get free standard shipping on any quantity fake TV purchase. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We continue with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And he spent a lot of FaceTime, has a very detailed review over at AppleInsider.com of the Amazon Kindle Fire. And supposedly this is one of the top-selling ebook readers or whatever you want to call it. Some people try to compare it with the iPad. And the browser okay is okay, is decent. The other issue, and maybe this is part and parcel of the problem with non-Apple tablets, the fluidity of the multi-touch. Apple has a number of patents on multi-touch. So I assume if Google or Amazon or anyone else, they're doing it, they have to do it a different way. So not I gather I that... That's not the main problem. I mean, it is based on Android 2.x, you know, before Honeycomb. So it doesn't have support for multi-touch. But you don't really need to have support for multi-touch. I mean, for multiple fingers on the screen, being able to read several at a time. The, the main problem with Android 2 is that it's just not as sophisticated. It doesn't use as much hardware um, acceleration. So even though this chip has a you know, quite competent GPU in it, it's not being used. And that's one of the comments that Sencha made when, in testing it. Is, you, know, you, go, you go to a complex uh, JavaScript page with a lot of HTML5 fancy animation stuff, and it doesn't perform really well, not because it doesn't have HTML5 support. It's missing a few things. But I'm talking and about the touch, the ability, to, the ability to do things with touch. Responsiveness. Yeah, that's, that's so basically you tap that's, something, and you want to know it problem. does what it's supposed to do. And right. if you flick or do whatever, it does something. But it doesn't do everything exactly the same way you do it on an iPhone, right? Right, because on, on iOS, you have the GPU and the CPU working together. So a lot of a lot of the general work of the computer is being done on the on the main chip. But the sliding stuff across the screen, all this graphic work, all this really graphic intensive animation is being really efficiently put on the GPU, which can speed through that really quickly. So if the GPU is handling that, the CPU doesn't have to handle that. So it can respond to touch better. So I mean the the main point here is that iOS does a really good job of being responsive and being fluid and feeling good when you when you work with it. You move your fingers and it op- it reacts the way something real would react. Apple's put a lot of effort into making it work that way. This is like Mac OS ten is, by the way. It's more responsive okay. now because they learned how to throw all the tasks for the interface 
onto the graphics processor. And one of the reasons that Mac OS X was so slow at the beginning is they weren't doing that. It took them a while to build that technology. Whereas Android up to Android 3.0 has made has had very little um, going on with the GPU. I haven't taken it as much advantage of it. And that's why Android smartphones have this kind of hesitation and lag and they don't they don't work nice. They don't feel as responsive. And this is the same issue with the Kindle Fire. But you kind of think here, though, overall, if the expectations of the customer aren't super high, it's kind of like Windows with the so-called 80% solution. If it works good enough, maybe they won't care. Yeah, that's the sad part. I mean, there are going to be a lot of people who see this and think that it's great without realizing that it's not really that great. But um, at the same time, this is also something that you know Google has been working a lot on that and trying to make... Android work a lot more like iOS. And this year, with they call it Honeycomb, and then that was 3.0, and not what they're calling 4.0, the uh, ice cream sandwich that just came out. These new releases are putting a lot more effort into getting stuff on the GPU to have a more responsive, fluid interface. Now, they completely failed to sell it on tablets. Now they're trying to move it into smartphones so that it will at least you know be out there and people can take advantage of it. But there's a couple problems with that. First of all, all the popular, you know, devices of any popularity, like the Kindle Fire and the um, Barnes and Noble's Nook, the only the only tablet devices that are selling at all are Android 2.0, 2.x devices. And it's why not is that? It doesn't make sense to me. Why take an old operating system that was never certified for use in a tablet and use it? Why couldn't Amazon use it's something done. newer? Is it time I mean, to market? Yeah, I mean, the main purpose for, I mean, one of the major attractions to Android is that it's done. And that it's free to use. So you can just pick it up and start using it. If you wanted to use Android 3.0 at any point this year until just recently, the code wasn't even available. You couldn't even, even though Android has this big thing about being open, it wasn't open. So you couldn't just go grab Android 3.0 and do it. You had to work with Google and, you know, work your way into their circle. Just recently, and the reason they did that is because Android 3.0 was like a hack job. And Android 4.0 is supposed to solve a lot of those problems and make it so that people could actually open it up and, and use it. And uh, still, there's, a, there's a, always been a leg throughout the history of Android where companies will come out with a phone and it'll be running a, a year-old version of the operating system. And you're just like, what? what? What's going on here? It happened before the jump to 2.0. It happened you know, at, at Froyo. It happened at 2.3. I mean, Android phones typically ship with either a version of the OS that is... Um, has been out for a year, or as soon as they're released, there's a new version that comes out that makes them old. And they don't get updated for, I used to say, three to six months, but the evidence is really showing that stuff either doesn't ever get updated at all, or it's only updated for a year, about a year late. So when you buy an Android smartphone and you sign a two-year contract, the second year of your contract, you're just written off. You're probably not going to get updates even if you have a very popular phone. Like, I mean, one of my friends is a, uh, what is it called? The HTC Incredible. It's Android Incredible. There's no updates for it. It's just nutty. That's one of the most popular phones that Verizon has sold. Android is so full of problems. I just think it's hilarious when people talk about it, like, talk about, like, iOS is catching up to Android. And it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, just, it's just laughable. Android is a <laughs> Android is a real piece of work in, in marketing. You know, people talk. Microsoft people always talk about Apple like all the stuff they do is just like 
smoke and mirrors and it's really just marketing and they really have technology that's behind it. Microsoft and you know that that may have been the case in some areas in the past but Apple stuff is quite good now and for Microsoft to be saying and its followers to be saying that is kind of silly but for Android people to say that is ridiculous because I mean the only thing keeping Android from just being a laughing stock is a whole bunch of people really seriously standing around saying oh yeah Android is right at the top of the heap right now it's open, <laughs> even though it's not been open for the last year. It's, it's just absurd. I'll tell you what, let's segue to something here, because you mentioned Microsoft. And there was an article from a site called Seeking Alpha that I mentioned earlier on the show, but want to bring to your attention. And it cites statistics showing that Apple has spent $10 billion on R&D in the last 10 years, which includes the first version of Mac OS X, the original iPod, all the developments of the iPod, iPhone, iPad, all the updates for Mac OS 10, iOS, $10 billion. This past year, it's 9% of their budget is their R&D, 9% of their operating budget. Now we look to Microsoft. Remember, Apple's making more money than Microsoft right now, okay? More revenue, all that stuff, higher market cap. With Microsoft, they spent $42 billion for R&D over the past five years. Now let's look at Cisco. Cisco, of course, major network hardware company. $25 billion in five years. Before we even get to Microsoft, tell me, what product or service is out there from Cisco that justifies the investment of $25 billion? What, buying Flip Video and then killing it two years later? Uh, they also built a lot of their own stuff that they killed around the same time as the Flip. They were trying to get it. The Flip was, you know, handheld camera. They were also trying to get in. They had that CS, I think it was called, tablet. It was an Android tablet for business. Uh, there was a, I can't remember what the brand name of it was, but there was a whole effort to build video conferencing boxes that people would buy. I think it was trying to aim at consumers as well. But a whole bunch of Apple-like devices that they were trying to sell, kind of like an iSight with a computer built into it that you plug into your TV. And they all kind of they kind of all give up on it at the same time. Okay, so they spend twenty five billion dollars for R and D over at Cisco for these products that didn't make it. They make good Wi Fi routers, by the way, oh, and a lot of good other network of hardware. And we'll go into more of it with Daniel Aaron Dilger. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Discover a natural way to experience cleaner, healthier indoor air without expensive filters and high-priced machines. Discover what healthcare professionals have known for decades. Salt ionizes and purifies indoor air. That's why you need to visit SilverSkyImports.com. SilverSkyImports.com offers a wide assortment of Himalayan crystal salt lamps, handcrafted from salt crystals that are millions of years old, contain healthy ions that eliminate odor, reduce bacteria, and can even help allergy and asthma sufferers, which means you and your family will breathe better, sleep sounder, and have more energy. These salt lamps are available in stunning, natural colors and shapes to accent any home or office, are environmentally friendly, and best of all, they're affordable. And don't forget SilverSkyImports.com also carries gourmet and bath salts. Order today at SilverSkyImports.com or call 800-494-1369. That's 800-494-1369. Breathe easier, feel better, live healthier at SilverSkyImports.com. In the event of an emergency, do you really trust Obama and the federal government to provide for you and your family? Modern-day emergencies like floods, tornadoes, earthquakes, snowstorms, terrorist attacks, or anything else can strike anywhere, leaving your family vulnerable. That's why you can't afford to be without emergency food supplies. If you're like most people, you know that you need emergency food supplies, but you keep putting it off. So, to help you, Ready Reserve Foods is offering a free sample kit of emergency food so you can test our food for yourself. The food really is free. You simply pay for the shipping and we'll send you the food for free. To get your free sample kit of emergency food, simply call 800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Again, that's 1-800-453-2202 or readyreservefoods.com. Don't wait. Call now because the free sample kits are limited. So call 800-453-2202 or readyreservefoods.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We're this final segment with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider and AppleInsider.com. 
We're trying to figure out, before we figure out what Microsoft did with $42 billion of R&D in five years, compared to $10 billion from Apple in 10 years, we look at the $25 billion that Cisco invested and wasted. So anything come to pass for that? Well, it's really easy to spend a lot of money on basic research. It's just not very efficient. I mean, if you look at Apple back in the early 90s, late 80s, Apple was spending lots of money on R&D and doing a lot of sort of interesting things, but they couldn't productize any of it. They were just working on just anything anybody wanted to work on, they could work on. And so they you know, invented a lot of things like um, QuickTime VR, and they built their own animation thing, QuickDraw 3D, or 3, I can't remember what they were all. But they, you know, they invented all There was all also the various versions of QuickTime and then QuickDraw GX, which is supposed to provide superior font resolution. It was so buggy, it was never usable. Yeah, so it's one thing to come up with ideas and to invent raw technology. It's another thing to figure out how to sell that raw technology and how to implement, how to get something to market, a product idea. So if you look at the things Microsoft is doing, they're very much like what Apple was doing in the early 90s, late 80s, is coming up with kind of cool-looking videos about futuristic stuff. And you know, they came up with a courier, and everybody acted like it was a real product. And it's like, well, it's a series of pictures. You know, They've done a lot of research, I'm sure. They have a lot of smart people working on this stuff. But it's not a product, and it's not even close to being a product. They had a you know a whole bunch of different prototypes that you know one one could oh, one could power on, the other could you know show what a device might look like. Another you know it, 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 it's just not a product. It's a lot of core research, and you can spend billions of dollars building stuff like that, and you you don't ever make anything. You don't ever release anything. Apple did the same kind of things that they finally released Newton OS and the the think the what what was it called message pad it was a pretty cool product but it was very expensive at the time in early 90s dollars it's what was it $1100 or more than that started off which today would be I mean, that's like 2k for a toy that's a lot of money uh, so yeah it didn't ever take off now it's interesting to me something here i'm a stockholder at microsoft and i watch what's going on i see apple is getting all the spang for the buck spending $10 billion over 10 years, and Microsoft is spending $42 billion in five years, wouldn't I stand up to Steve Ballmer and said, what are you doing? Why are you wasting this money on garbage? Show me results. Show me that you have value for this money, that you built a product. Why can't you look at what Apple does with R&D? If you want to imitate their features, fine. Imitate their R&D. Well, that's kind of like, I remember being at a, a stockholder meeting at Apple, and somebody stood up and said, hey, I just, I've been looking at numbers, and if you increased your market share, your Mac market share by a few percentages, you'd be making billions of dollars. And Steve Jobs looked at him and was kind of like, yeah, we know that. <laughs> That's what we're trying to do. You know, the problem isn't, you know, the obvious problem. I mean, Microsoft is probably aware that they're spending a lot of money in R&D and not getting anything from it. But the question is, Why? Why are they doing that? And part of it is because Microsoft is organized in sort of a nutty way. And that's exactly yeah, the example. That's the point. Yeah. They have to look at what Apple does because we know how Apple is organized. We don't always know what they're doing. But how Apple is organized and the corporate hierarchy is very well known. We all know about and they know about it more because they're interacting with Apple on a regular basis as developers of products the, for the Mac. 
But the other thing is that Apple is very limited in what it's trying to do. They have a very limited number of products, and they're not trying to do everything. Apple could come out and battle Facebook. They could develop paying into this whole huge social network and spend billions of dollars doing it. They could battle Google, Google Voice or whatever, and you know, spend billions of dollars developing something to take on whatever. They could, you know, try to come into the web and have their own ad program just like Google's. And they, you know, they could take on Microsoft and, you know, develop a bunch of enterprise software. And, you know, all those things would fail because that's not what Apple's good at. And yet you have Google trying to do everything that's very clearly out of their capacity. They cannot develop program or platforms. Their mobile platform is a joke. They're, it's not making any money. They're trying to do everything. They're trying to copy everything. They're trying to copy Facebook. Google Plus is a joke. It's a bunch of people who are really smart and work, you know, have their own idea of how they want things to be done. They have no idea how to build products for common people. Now, let me point out about Google Plus. I'm a member of Google Plus. And I gather there was a big surge originally when people first signed up, but now it's kind of flattened off. And I look at it and I see stuff that sort of kind of works like Facebook, but different. And I've yet to see that there's any advantage to it. Yeah, I mean, and I keep hearing this other thing within smartphones. There was somebody who was criticizing HTC for not coming out with like more interesting, you know, new phones. The problem isn't new. I think John Gruber made this comment on it. You don't have to come out with new phones. They have to be good phones. Apple hasn't updated the iPhone 3GS in two years, and they're still selling it. It's like the top, you know, second biggest seller after the iPhone 4 in the United States, and it's this two-year-old phone. People keep talking about how they have to develop something brand new. No, you don't have to develop something brand new unless everything's garbage. When you already have something that's working well, in some cases you don't compete with it. <laughs> you know, you can't just have the product of the week club. I mean, one of the things that bothers me when I look at Android, forgetting about the platform, good or bad, there are so many products and they are updated so often, you can't get a fix on anything. You know, As soon as you get a fix on something, that product is gone, there's a new one. It drives you completely nuts. I know this is common in consumer electronics. I mean, look at TV sets. Try to figure out whose model is what and when. You can't do it. There's no consistency. There's no predictability. At least with Windows, you know there's Windows 7. There's going to be a Windows 8. So Microsoft isn't bringing out a product of the week. Well, if you look at Windows over the last 15 years, it's really changed very little. And what has changed has been unpopular. So when they made drastic changes to Vista, that was the most unpopular version of, of Windows ever. Otherwise, it's just been like slowly tweaked and refined and, you know, changed a little bit, made a little fat, you know, didn't actually make it faster. But, you know, added things that made it sort of nicer in some respects. If you look at iOS, it's the same thing. And, and Mac OS X, uh, some of the bigger changes they made to Lion recently are the most controversial. It's like, really? I don't know if you can change that this much this quickly. With iOS, there's been very little like sea change it's always been like minor tweaks so in some cases it makes it much better but it doesn't change the interface around completely you don't want to confuse you people microsoft confuses yeah. people by making the menu bars optional and i'm looking at the early developer build of windows 8 which anyone can get you know and you look at it and you see this interface that comes from the zune and the windows phone 7 this tiled interface with very poor text because it's very indistinct especially if you have the wrong background color this is of course web 101 they fail and you go beneath the surface and you get back to the windows control panels and everything else and it's the same it hasn't changed yeah windows 8 is windows 7 with this layer of zune on the top i, I think it's going to be not 
successful. Doesn't Zoom for me, I'll tell you. <laughs> or Zoom or anything. I mean, it's a waste of time. And the thing is here, you know, one of the biggest things about web design is to make it readable. And sticking light colored type against all these colored backgrounds, these tiles, you can't read the text. You're supposed to be able to read the text. Don't they know that? Well, I think they're they're trying to just do a lot of things quickly, hoping that they can stand out. Because, I mean, Microsoft is getting recognized as being the only interface that's significantly different than iOS. And people point that out as like it's something great. Like uh, somebody was just commenting that Android is basically just a slower, uglier version of iOS, whereas Windows Phone 7 is completely different. And it, it, look, it, it, it looks and works and acts differently. And I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder how that would work in other industries. If somebody came out with a new car that said they're not trying to look like, you know, BMW and Chrysler and every car company that's already out there that has the steering wheel on this side and, you know. Let's put the steering wheel in the center. Here. I'll tell you what, we got to get going now. Yeah. Tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. I write for Apple Insider and AppleInsider.com and Roughly Drafted, RoughlyDrafted.com. I write for TechNightOwl.com. That's TechNightOwl.com. TechNightOwl is the address you find us on Twitter. I'm Gene Steinberg on Facebook. We have another radio show, The Paracast, at Paracast.com about UFOs, things that go bump in the night, and this week, exopolitics. What's that? Paracast.com. On the Tech Night Owl Live, a special thanks to Daniel Aaron Dilger. Daniel, thanks for joining us this week on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.